love has done its part And let him reign in my life and my heart If love has done its part Welcome to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry. We are glad you are listening today and hope you find words of healing, insight, and restoration. Shadow of His Wings Ministry was founded by Lee and Shay Preston and born out of God's vision for setting captives free. If you would like to support us in the work we do, please visit www.shadowofhiswingsministry.com to donate. Today on Healing Hidden Wounds, Lee is talking with Jonathan Darty, director of Be Broken Ministries. Let's listen in as Lee and Jonathan discuss the ins and outs of recovery from sexual brokenness. This is the topic I guess we're going to talk about about friendship and I want you to kind of just let our listeners know uh, where we're going what your ideas are for this particular broadcast well uh, friendship I think is a real important thing it's in this struggle and I it's and I'm even talking specifically right now about the struggle in sexual addiction period because I think a lot of guys that we work with uh, who have heterosexual sex addiction and homosexual sex addiction all have trouble maintaining friendships. Absolutely, yes. Uh, they have a hard time maintaining intimacy with friends. They have a hard time being vulnerable. Uh, and uh, out of usually eight to ten guys, if you ask anybody in there, do you have a close friend that you could tell anything to? You hear maybe, crickets, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe one might have raised their hand. So, and they're probably not sure what that really means. So at any rate... Um, and to get on to the topic at hand, which is uh, for guys who struggle with homosexual addiction, uh, I think friendship is especially hard. And trying to desexualize men and allow friendship to grow instead of lust or, or some sort of fantasy. And you're talking about uh, friendship with other men. You're yes. talking about same-sex friendship. That's right. Yeah. I'm t- talking about true, real friendship with men that has no sexual component whatsoever. You haven't been with the guy sexually. You mm-hmm. haven't... Uh, you know, thought about being with him sexually. I shouldn't say that because sometimes that happens, but it moves into a better friendship afterwards. But, you know, it's just looking at, at guys who struggle with homosexual sin and wanting to know men and be close with them in friendship only. Okay. So then why is that such a big fear for guys or, or difficulty, I should say? Well, most guys who struggle with same-sex attraction, there's a real rejection of men to start with. Usually dad or the main father figure in a, in a guy's life was his first rejection. May have been somebody else, but, you know, either dad leaves the picture or dad's out of the picture emotionally or dad uh, somehow offends the, the kid and doesn't attempt to try to get, get to be back in his, uh, back in connection with him again. And so mm-hmm. the kid kind of basically says... You know, I'm not sure I trust people like you, which are boys. I'm not sure I trust men. And so he pulls himself away, and yet mom is usually very connected to him, and so he's very easily able to trust girls, establish friendships very quickly, but boys he has a little harder time with. And so friendships never really develop. Could some of that also be, there could be some abuse or trauma that, that could be part of that as well? Sure. If you have had, if the guy's had same-sex abuse or if he's had uh, bullying or teasing, uh, you know, teasing is really hard, especially because guys generally, sometimes girls do teasing as well, but usually guys are the, 
the the bullies and and you know teasing a guy who you know uh, either appears somewhat effeminate or is just uh has a uh, a physical characteristic that people just don't really find you know they kind of latch onto and and bully about or he just happens to get that look that somebody decides hey I'm going to ridicule you and he can't mm-hmm. shake it uh some of that can cause a real rejection of of hey I don't even want to be around boys and yet girls tend to be more tender they tend to be a little more compassionate uh, and so it's easier to be around them, so friendships develop, but they really don't ever develop with this other set because of all the ridicule and teasing. So then somewhere early on, there is a uh, there's a connection between men and fear or men and threat. Uh, there's there's men are then seen sort of as a threatening uh, entity. Not, sure. not somebody that you feel warm and fuzzy around, not somebody that you feel like you're comfortable approaching for whatever reason. There can be lots of different reasons there. But the male figure is not safe. That's right. That's right. Whatever happened, there's just a lack of, of connection or, or fear of connection there. He's not sure he wants to connect. Uh, sometimes that even comes from just the brokenness in that kid already of not feeling like he maybe he rejected dad but maybe he felt rejected by dad and so he tells himself I'm really not a good boy I make a better girl than a boy or I'm more like them I'm more like my mom and And that's where a lot of the performance based stuff gets started is sure listen I can't be emotionally connected with dad but I can I can perform I can do right by him I can make him happy if I do this this and this or I can make mom happy if I do this this and this and so it sets him up on a on a path of not really knowing how to be friends but to act like a a friend and doesn't that also create sort of a, a a detached isolated mentality towards relationships because what it's saying is how I'm going to be related to you and in or in relationship with you is through how I perform for you exactly not how I actually connect and am vulnerable and open and transparent and and really broken. Sure. I'm sure. not going to be that. I'm going to be this perform performance is how we're going to be connected. Right. Performance, uh, how I appear on the outside. I remember in my own struggle, um, you know, I've been a counselor for a long time. And I remember when I first became a counselor, if I saw a guy in counseling, I could be real close to him because I could hear what he had to say. But I always had the one-upmanship there. I always was one step above him because I was in control mm-hmm. and I was the counselor. You know, the title right. helped me feel safe. Uh, whenever it was just me and a guy trying to be friends, you know, I didn't feel so safe because I had to step out of that role and actually be somebody, you know, that was on equal footing there. And I see that with a lot of guys, that they're great as long as they're the doctor or they're great as long as they're the lawyer or they're great mm-hmm. as long as they're you know, the businessman, and they're in control and they're doing their thing. Either they're presenting or they're evaluating or they're doing what they're supposed to do. But the minute they get in that one-on-one relationship where they go meet that guy for lunch, they freak out because all they know how to talk about is either what they do or how they work or those sorts of things. So then so then, why do guys, I guess that's the reason why these guys may pursue particular careers, they might pursue particular titles because... Man, that creates sort of a cocoon. That creates the safety that they can hide behind. That creates a place where they can, quote-unquote, be somebody without really being themselves. Sure, and I'm realizing... revealing themselves. Right. I'm realizing now, as we're even talking, that we're probably talking to men of all <laughs> addictions, Struggles, yeah. period. 
because men do tend to try to hide behind what they do. I mean, usually at a dinner party, what's the first thing that a guy asks you when he walks up and introduces himself? Yeah, what do you do for a living? Yeah, what do you do for a living, and, and what's the weather like? You know, those are right. the surface things that we only know how to talk about. But I think for same-sex attracted guys, it's a little different because there's still there's an even bigger fear component once he gets in with, with this trying to connect. Uh, I had one guy say, um, you know, he re- I asked him, how does he feel when he walks in to like uh, a men's breakfast at his church? And he said, well, I walk in that door and he said, I see all these guys. And he said, I feel like I've just shrunk down to about the age of eight and I'm standing there in my dad's clothes. Mm. And he said, I feel, I feel scared and I feel small. And that usually comes from that big word we talk about a lot, which is shame. Something shamed him as that little kid, and now he feels like he can't fit with these real men. And so that uh, that affects his ability to be a friend as well. Wouldn't you say that some of these guys that have really uh, gone headlong into maybe the homosexual lifestyle, wouldn't you say that even they even hide behind that? Exactly. They even hide behind their gayness. They right. hide behind their performance even in the gay lifestyle. Sure. You know, it's almost like it becomes their identity. You know, I'm going to be effeminate whether you like it or not. And if you like it, then that's great. If you don't, then I don't have to be around you. But this is who I am. And Mm -hmm. that's a lot of that militant homosexual agenda as well, is you accept me the way I am or you don't have to accept me. And that's another hiding place because it's like, okay, you're going to befriend me whether I have a pink bow on or whether I'm, uh, you know, part of the left-wing homosexual agenda fighting for my right to get married, then I know that you know who I am up front. And then if you're going to befriend me, then I can trust that. But it's also a place to hide. I don't have to really show you who I really am. I just show you that uh, that thing that says, if you can cross this, then I can trust you. Right. Because if I put my gayness out there strong enough, then guess what? I don't have to talk about my weaknesses. Right. I don't have to talk about my fears. I don't have to reveal to you where I struggle. I don't have to reveal to you the the doubts that I have. Right. And I don't really even have to meet you as a real friend. Mm-hmm. Because a real friend would also want to hear your fears. Well, maybe right. your fear might be, I have a real fear of you wearing a pink boa. That yeah. kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. But exactly. I would like to try to be your friend. Well, it's always it often seems like those who really, really press that out there and say, I'm gay, like it or not, are essentially saying this is going to be a one-sided conversation. Sure. It's going to be a one-sided, quote-unquote, friendship. Right. And you either accept me the way I am or I won't be your friend. And if you have problems with me in any in any regard, I'm going to call you a bigot. I'm going to, right. I'm going to basically say you're... You know, um, you're a sexist or whatever. Which, guess who has all the power in that friendship right there? Right. And that's why they set it up that way. And a lot of people do that. It comes in all walks of life, but we're talking about this particular situation with this particular characteristic. And we can, and you can even do that on a on a lesser scale, but to the same the same idea as those who hide behind being the doctor or the lawyer or whatever. They're they're still saying. You accept me as a doctor, and you know what? For culture, it's a lot easier to do that sometimes, sure. you know. But but when that becomes your identity, what you do becomes your identity, then you're you're hiding because that's not who you really are. Right, and you're really not willing to put your heart out there. You're just putting out who you are. Right, what you do. Right, yeah. right. Something that's also really important here is is that these guys really do need intimacy, and we they all do. do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like everybody needs it. 
and they do need intimacy with men. And what they haven't learned yet is that that intimacy with men that they sometimes get, which is sexualized, isn't real, though. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really fill the, the need. It may momentarily put a Band-Aid on it for about, you know, 15 minutes, but then later it's empty again, and they don't know why. And so intimacy is really the thing that we're trying to talk about, is how do you get close enough to somebody to be a friend and establish that intimacy because that's drinking from the wellspring. That's the thing that says this is eternal, this lasts. And it seems that a lot of these guys, like we talked about in previous broadcasts, have so sexualized that type of intimacy that they don't necessarily see the difference between having you know, healthy friendship-type intimacy with a man uh, as opposed to it also being sexual. There, there doesn't seem to be any disconnect there between those two. They've just meshed them together. Sure, but the problem there is, is they have never really experienced true friendship, mm-hmm. so they don't know the kind of fulfillment they could have there. But see, some guys, don't you think some guys would come back to you and say, I have experienced true friendship, I mean, with Sally and with Julie and with you know Margaret, and they'll, and they'll come back and say, that's real friendship, isn't it? It's friendship on one level with one of the, one sex. It's not true friendship with the same sex that hasn't led to sex Mm -hmm. and that's the problem because when you don't know real friendship see all they know it's almost like something that always comes to my mind when I talk about this is they know Kool-Aid it's sweet it tastes good yeah it fulfills for a moment right but when you're out in the the West Texas or the South Texas sun and you're hot Kool-Aid doesn't really last for very long They've never tasted real fresh water that's lasting. Right. And so they can only speak out of what they know. Yeah, Kool-Aid tastes great for a moment. All Kool-Aid tastes good for this, for a season, right? Mm-hmm. But until you get to real deep wellspring water that says, look, to know a guy and to not have had to give your body to him or to not have tried to get his body from him, and all you know about him is his deep, dark fe- feelings his vulnerabilities, and yet he knows you as well and he expects nothing from you and he's not judging you for it, that's real friendship. And, and, that's, and that's, that's a vulnerability that very few guys encounter or engage. And the reason is, I think, is because, and, it's, and especially, again, when you talk about these guys that have developed these same-sex attractions, there's often so much woundedness in their growing up years in male relationships that that's that's almost like telling a guy uh here's the noose here's enough rope to go hang yourself right it feels that way to him sure and so to you know that's why i think it's naturally he's going to drift towards those safer relationships that the the shallow water sure of those female relationships that he can just be friends with and he doesn't have to even there he doesn't have to engage the difficulty of developing a a a healthy male-female relationship, right. which which is we've talked in previous broadcasts, is even scarier than the male, the healthy male relationship. Sure, sure. Um, but I think it's just there's so much. Uh, I think in all of us we gravitate towards what's easy. Sure. And and you know, hey, having a safe relationship with a female that I don't have to get all you know emotional with and invested and all that is a lot less scary than having to go talk to a man that I've always had a lust connection with the male figure. Sure. And how do I do that without 
starting to fantasize or without starting to think sexual thoughts. Exactly. And and the other piece of that easiness I think we got to acknowledge here is when a guy says, I'm gay, he immediately becomes part of the gay family. Mm-hmm. And so he can walk into a gay bar, a gay event, and immediately feel like he's, a, he's connected and he has all these friends because he's got all this, he's got this one thing in common with all these other men. Hey, it's not that easy out there when you get in the real world and and you have to go up and meet a guy for the first time as a friend. Cuz you don't know what he's going to say, you don't know whether he's going to like even talking to you or not. You don't know if he's going to say, "You know what? I don't really want to have anything to do with you." Because the reality is is when when you're talking about somebody who says they're gay and they're part of this gay community is the the foundation for beginning all of those relationships is sexual. Sure. And that's the shallow end of the pool. Exactly. That's and it's the not easy re- thing. And it's not real friendship. Right. And what you'll find is is none of the usually none of those friendships last for very long because they break apart very quickly. Because once again, you can't build a foundation on Kool-Aid. You need that strong wellspring of crystal clear water that says, okay, guess what? It's hard to make a friendship mm-hmm. work. You got to keep pressing in. That's why I don't know about you, but I know in a lot of the groups I have guys that go to who have heterosexual or homosexual sexual addiction, one of the hardest things is to get guys to try to connect with one another because it's hard to make that first call and say, hey, I just needed to talk because I'm having a hard time right now because we're all a little bit afraid of, of showing vulnerability. Well, what's interesting to me is that whatever side of the equation you are on in terms of your struggle, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, I found it very interesting that one of the biggest fears that either guy has for making that first connection is the gay card. Sure. Because you've got the heterosexual guy that says, I'm getting in a group, I'm getting some help, and I'm reaching out. Are they going to think I'm gay? Right. If I ask, if I need some help, if I say I'm really hurting and I talk emotionally, are they going to think I'm gay? The guy who's struggling with the same sex is, when he reaches out, he goes, Am I going to sexualize this conversation? Am I going to feel gay? Am I going to feel yeah? And so, it's 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 fascinating to me that that's one of the biggest barriers to actually developing friendship is this fear of what what the the gay community has really tried to portray to us in terms of or, or actually those who really uh, you know are are um, really anti homosexual people have tried to portray that. Everything that these homosexual people are doing, all these connections that they're having, it's awful, it's horrible, it's, it's terrible. And somehow, healthy male intimacy has gotten lumped into that. Oh, sure. And so now we think if we, if you see a, a guy giving another guy a hug and telling him he appreciates his friendship, oh, that's kind of gay. Right. It's like, or a guy crying th- on another guy's shoulder. Exactly. Man, that's really gay. And, we, and, we, and, and so part of that is, is the stigma that has been attached in our, in our culture that that has lumped healthy male friendship into gayness. Exactly. And it's and, and I think that is a big lie of Satan, and I think that's affected yeah. friendship. And it's caused people to stay separated. Right. And if you look through the Bible, you see Jonathan and David, who, you know, loved him more than a brother. Mm-hmm. You know, you see uh, what I always thought was really a, 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 a moving image was... I believe it's in the Gospel of John where it says the disciple that that Jesus loved reclined on Jesus's chest. Mm-hmm. You know, he laid back on Jesus's chest. I mean, those are really loving moments between two men who had no sexual, you know, even brokenness there, 
who just were loving each other. Mm -hmm. And we don't really allow that anymore. And so that's why I think we have a lot of sexual brokenness because we're all looking for real close intimacy, but we're all afraid of it because we're afraid of what everybody's going to think of us. Yeah, and so I guess in this process, then what we're what we're really getting at is we're trying to trying to help men see the truth about who they are. First of all, as a as a man, as an individual, right? How, how God has designed them to be a man, and then how that individual as a man, as a healthy man, then interacts with other men. And so it's really a truth journey about what is true about friendship. Me, me as an individual man, but then what's true about how I connect with other men? Sure. And and in finding the truth, you also have to expose the lie, which is mm-hmm. it's not gay to love another man. Right. It's not gay. It's a friendship. It's a connection. It's not gay to expose your heart and say, man, I really feel this way. I really love you. You're a, you're a man who I want in my life because you're important to me. And and something that the you know the gay the guy who struggles with homosexual uh, sexuality as a sexual addiction has to learn is that. You know, all he's ever known is a sexualized male love. And so the little boy in him says, this is all I know, so that's what I really want. But the man in him has to realize that, hey, I can have good, strong, close friendships. And yet what was real or what I thought was real wasn't really real. Mm -hmm. I was never meant to have the kind of sexual relationship You know, I had one guy say, you mean I'll never be able to go up and just ask a man, will you hold me? I said, no, you'll never be able to do that again. You can go up to a guy and say, can I give you a hug? But there's a real difference between holding you and hugging you. Mm -hmm. Holding says, I need need closeness. I want to be intimate with you in a sexual way. Hugging says, I need that, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. You know, and I realize there's a kind of a fine line there, but it's really allowing these guys who struggle with same-sex attraction to know just because you can't sit and cuddle with a guy, you know, on the couch anymore, because that's not, it's not accepted, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't mean it's not accepted in our culture. I mean, I don't think God would accept it right. as a cuddling thing. I think if you want to hang out with a guy and you want to, to sit and watch a movie together, and if you put your arm around him and say, hey, I care about you, that's a great thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's the difference in the, what lies beneath that, because it's never meant to be sexual. Right. And I think that's where the ultimately where the battle always lies is what's going on in our mind and our heart. Sure. And that's where all the lies have tangled up in our systems. Right. And so that's 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 where I see such a big challenge here for guys who have uh, struggled with same sex attraction is they want and they've been so performance oriented they want to behave correctly. But even as they behave correctly, their struggle is what's going on in my mind and my heart. Sure. And that's where they need to connect. So I would encourage guys to to think more in terms of, listen, let everybody else misinterpret and and mess with your behavior, okay, in terms of how you're going to start interacting with men in healthy ways. That's their problem. Right. The key issue is, are you learning how to connect mind and heart in a healthy, appropriate way with other men? That's where the real battle is. Sure. Because you can behave to where everybody looks at you and says, okay, that's a a good, healthy male behavior with another man. Right. But what's going on in your mind and in your heart? Sure. And that's really where that's really where the transformation is going to take place. And the good news is that God is able to get in there and really start 
you know, encouraging you and saying it's okay to reach out to another man. It's okay to get involved in these groups. It's okay to say you need help and that you struggle with sexualizing relationships with other men. Sure. And being able to, to to be that vulnerable, and it won't. And just remember, it won't come that quickly overnight. Right, exactly. And I also want to give a little bit of a, a, a disclaimer to the guy who says, "Yeah, but you know what? I showed up at church the other day, and this guy came up to me, and he gave me a really big hug, and it really felt great. But guess what? I was aroused by it. Mm-hmm. So, you've sexualized all your life. You think it's going to go away overnight? Right. It's going to take some time. Just say thank you, Lord, for that friendship." Acknowledge that he was giving you a true, genuine hug. It was your own sexualized feelings that caused that arousal. And just say, okay, I'm just going to keep praying and know that God will give me somebody who will continue to love me through all this stuff. Yeah, and, and one thing you said there that is so key is you brought it back to what was true. Because you know what? Our brokenness, it, you know, the old saying is wherever you go, there you are. That's right. right. So you're, you're, all of us are a sum of our histories, right? the good and the bad. Exactly. And so because of that, our brokenness goes with us. And, and the, so even as you're going through the healing process of learning how to think differently about male relationships, learning how to engage men in, in a different way, boy, the conditioning that you've been under, it doesn't break easily. Right. But as you, as you maybe feel certain things that you recognize and realize, okay, that actually was not the way I should respond in this relationship, bring it back to the truth. Amen. And say, okay, what, what is true then? Well, there was a need in me that needed to be met. This man came over and really gave a genuine uh, affection, gave sure. me genuine love. My conditioning sexualized that. But you know what? I'm not going to steal or try to diminish his act of genuine affection. And so, therefore, I need to realize, okay, it was my brokenness that responded in that way. But what I actually received in truth was an act of genuine love from that man. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I'll never forget one of the most healing moments in my life was uh, I was on a, a men's retreat camp out. And one of the elders of our church sat down next to me and said, you know, Lee, I'm just really proud of you. You've come a long way. This has been many years ago. And then he reached over and he gave me a kiss on the cheek. Now, that was a big step for him because he knew my background. He knew my he knew my past. And it was not sexualized at all. I didn't feel a, th- a single sexual feeling about it. I just felt loved. And he took mm. a chance. And And I think that's real important. And I would add to that truth, if there is any guy out there who's still listening who is heterosexual and has no homosexual struggles, if he hadn't already cut out of here and said, forget it, this is same-sex stuff, Mm -hmm. I don't need to hear this, is that also the truth for guys who don't struggle in this area is that it's okay for you to love another guy in friendship as well and to be vulnerable and to know that all those lies about too much hugging, too much kissing... Not kissing, but too much, you know, like I had, I'll tell you, I don't want anybody to get misread that. What I mean by that is I had a guy who was 16 and, uh, and his dad would kiss him on the cheek sometimes. And he said, my mom told me I had to quit that because he was making me gay. That's not truth. Right. A dad who kisses his son on the cheek does not make his son gay. So closeness in heterosexual, in that heterosexual relationship does not mean that there's any kind of chance of making your son gay. We are glad you joined us today, and we hope that God had a special word just for you. Remember that Healing Hidden Wounds and Shadow of His Wings Ministry are listener-supported, and all services are provided on a donation basis. 
If you heard something today that was especially important to you, we hope you will consider donating a gift. Please visit www.healinghiddenwounds.com to donate today. Now let it rain in my life and my heart. Your love has done its part.